think the number one thing we see small businesses do wrong is response times. Like they're so bad. And they'll have people trying to reach out to them and they either don't get back to them or like they're on hold for 10 minutes and then they hang up. Welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. Join your host, Dots Oyobulu, as he learns from CMOs, agency leaders, and business leaders about the state of performance marketing, plus insights on strategies, campaigns, and intelligence for commercial impact. Connect the dots and enjoy the latest episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com. Hi, marketers. This is Dots, and welcome to the Marketing Leadership Podcast. With me here is the queen of local marketing, Joy Hawkins. Owner, President at Sterling Skies. And we will be talking about how local ads grow local businesses at a global scale. Yes, that's right. You heard me right. I know you guys are ready, so let's get into it. Joy, welcome. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am incredibly excited to have you on, and as well as all our other listeners trying to know how local marketing and local ads work. So could you please tell me a bit about yourself, your background, your role, how you eventually became, in my own words, the queen of local marketing? I've been doing it since about 2006. And I originally started by actually selling Google ads to insurance agents. So I used to cold call insurance agents and try and talk them into signing up for Google ads. And Fast forward to today, I now own a marketing agency that I started in 2017. Team of 36 employees currently, and our kind of focus is running Google ads and doing local SEO for small businesses. So businesses like dentists, lawyers, home services, builders, etc. Absolutely. When it comes to local marketing, my imagination is that when you're managing that at scale, I have personally worked in the dental industry and also the vet industry. And it's a lot of work when you're managing a lot of locations from a marketing standpoint. How do you manage to do that at scale? Like I assume one client will have a lot of locations and another client and you have many clients. So how do you do this without running out? Yeah, it's all about having the right tool set to make sure that you can manage things seamlessly and you're not wasting time on little things. Awesome. That makes sense. Guys, if you just said that, yeah, it might seem very short, it might seem very generic, but it's important to be efficient, not just in local marketing, but marketing in general. Let's get on to the topic now. So what is local marketing? A lot of us might know what it is, but a lot of us may not even know what it is. And why should small businesses and even big enterprise companies care about local marketing? It's just the idea, I guess, that, you know, if you're a business where your customers are local, then you fit into this category, right? So you think about a plumber, for example, they're not going to go service someone that's five hours away. They're going to want to keep within driving distance, right? Or like a restaurant, they're going to bring in people that are located in the local area. So if your customers are local to you, then you essentially are essentially a local market. That makes sense. And from my experience, location always matters. When it comes to local marketing, you are thinking about the radius, driving distance, and you are looking at the different city behaviors, 
for example. Uh, where I stay in Calgary, people are used to driving 30 minutes at a time because Calgary is a city that is so big out of Canada. But in some other areas in the U.S., for example, I don't think that is the case. I think, just like you said, driving very short distances, like 15 minutes or things like that, some of the ways that people operate or walking distance, depending on what the experience is. So that's really beautiful. When it comes to the technology for the industry itself, we know about search, we know about voice. And when it comes to social, I'm starting to wonder, is social also part of local marketing or is only just limited to voice and search? It can be. It's tricky though. Honestly, social is very hard. I'll be honest, like when we have small businesses approach us, I think it's even harder for an agency to manage social on behalf of a local business. I'd almost argue that it's impossible. Like we actually stopped offering social media. It's too hard. You have to get too much stuff from the client, too many things that you need to be able to interact with them on a regular basis for that it actually makes more sense for the small business to do it themselves and maybe get like a coach or or consultant or whatnot. But I think the one platform that has grasped local, it would be Facebook with groups, right? So there are a lot of local groups. I'm in tons and it's a good way for businesses, especially home services to get leads from like local Facebook groups. I think the other platforms have had some struggle, like on Twitter, for example, there isn't really a good way to target just local people on Twitter. Yeah. I think with Twitter, it's almost like, aside from the news side, it's also used as a customer service platform in some cases, but not even at a local level. So that sort of makes sense. And I agree with you in terms of saying managing for social at an agency level is hard. I think businesses or business owners will have to find a way to be able to do that themselves because there is also the reactivizing nature of social, right? Something happens within your company, you have to be the one to quickly get it out as soon as possible. There's a quick update. You need to get that out quickly and you have to escape all the hoops of going through a third party to get that information out. Not to say it's totally impossible, but I think from a recommendation standpoint, with social is a bit tricky. So I completely agree with you on that. And I like the way you started with the platforms there. So would you also consider like other local listing platforms or marketplaces part of marketing from a local business perspective, like Craigslist or things like that? Depends on the industry. So there are some industries that actually have a good chunk of different websites that you need to be visible on. For example, if you are a wedding planner or like in that industry, you want to be on sites like The Wire or The Knot. And if you're a lawyer, there's lawyers.com or Ava or, or things like that. that actually get a lot of traffic. But there's other industries where there just aren't a lot of niche sites. So I think it's in comparison to like Google, it's hard to find another site that will deliver as much traffic. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, more questions on this industry side, because I am really intrigued by what's going on. When it comes to local SEO versus local ads, do you have a preference or is there a combination in terms of how businesses should approach this? What do you think about that? I'm definitely team SEO. SEO is like my bread and butter. But that being said, I think ads serve a purpose. And depending on the business goals, it usually makes sense to do both. I always tell people like SEO should be your biggest investment, which I find interesting because I think the average small business like that we've worked with has no problem throwing like $10,000 a month on ads. 
but you try to get them to spend that on SEO. And like, it's interesting to see how business owners are, are willing to give Google so much money, but not invest as much in SEO. We find that kind of interesting. But ROI wise, nothing will compare to SEO. Like if you have a good SEO strategy, it's from an ROI perspective, what you will gain long-term is so much higher than any other medium. Yeah, I was going to say, you just said the word there, long-term. Do you think that's because of the immediate gratification that ads provide sometimes? Could that be why, yeah, businesses That's are... literally it. They're like, I don't want to wait. I need lead now. I need something for my, you know, employees to be able to go do. And like ads give you that instant gratification, but you do pay more, right? Like if you were to look at a five-year business that has a good SEO strategy and also is running ads, they're going to do a lot better for their dollar with SEO would with ads. Interesting. So when do you think would be the right time to have ads? Would that be after a while of sustainable SEO development? Or at what point in a small business's journey do you think ads or local ads is uh, more appropriate? Like from the get-go, you probably need to have them because your site's not going to rank anywhere if you're a brand new business. So you're not going to be able to get leads from Google unless you pay for them. For long-term businesses, let's say you have a business that's been around for like eight or 10 years, they still might want to invest in ads if they just want more leads. So if the cost per lead makes sense and you can handle the volume, then it makes sense. But I've also had conversations with business owners where they're like, I want to increase my ad budget. I want more leads. And then I look at their numbers and I'm like, you're two weeks behind on voting. Like you haven't even got to the leads that you got two weeks ago. Don't spend more money. Like get rid of these ones first. You're just losing money. So I think it's one of those things where it has to make sense. You actually have to be able to fulfill more jobs or more of whatever it is that you're advertised for, which a lot of small businesses, they get ahead of themselves. They advertise too much. Yeah, that makes sense. I've had the opportunity to work with a hardware, hardwood installation company. They also do floor refinishing as well. And this owner is always very sincere about his demands. He says, I don't have any interest in scaling because I don't even have the bandwidth. I think he's like 65 years old or something, trying to train his son to take over the business. So it was like, I don't have the bandwidth to expand outside of the city, but if you can keep the sustainability and we'll mix that with other things, then that's fine. So that kind of makes sense that as experts, we have to tell clients or businesses on how to do this. And if you're listening now and you're a small business, definitely you need to know that when running SEO versus ads, SEO needs to be the basis of everything. Start with SEO, grow with SEO, solidify that foundation. Yeah, you need to run ads alongside, but this needs to be moderated along with your demand and the cost per acquisition, just as Joy has said. It's just basically trying to be honest with yourself. We have many motivations as businesses. We are trying to gain market share from competitors because customers can easily switch to different providers. But at the end of the day, building great customer service is probably the best asset for local businesses. With local businesses, sometimes you stick to a service provider, not because they are cheap, but because their service is good, but even more because They've got great customer service. They are able to not just fulfill, but they're able to support you with that that is being offered. Would you agree, Joy? Yeah, I think the number one thing we see small businesses do wrong is response times. Like they're so bad and they'll have people trying to reach out to them and they either don't get back to them or like they're on hold for 10 minutes and then they hang up. 
So they're literally pouring money down the drain because they have leaves coming in. They're just leaving because they're not available. So I think that's like the big thing. Like if you're going to have a strong strategy, you need to make sure you have every other way that like every way for people to contact you, like Facebook, like you said, Twitter, having like some type of text messaging software on your website, leave forms. So that way the person can pick whatever platform they want. And then you got to be able to respond to them on that platform. Like if somebody messages you on Facebook, help them on Facebook. Don't tell them to call you. That if they wanted to call you, they would have done that to begin with. It's a pet peeve of mine. A pet peeve, yeah. Let's say my agree. Because when you need it, that's just the nature of local businesses and the services they offer. Makes sense. We're still on the search ads now. I spoke too soon there, but I want to feature the new solution Google is rolling out in terms of local search ads. I always have a feeling that whenever Google releases something, there is always a very big reason behind it. So there is something that is coming when it comes to not just local ads, but local marketing in general, beyond whatever people seem to be experiencing right now. And with Google local service ads, is that something you've explored so far? Do you have an idea of how it works and why you think Google is rolling this out at this time? Yeah, they're really expanding it. So I definitely think that it'll come to, if it's not in your vertical yet, like it'll come at some point. They just rolled it up to dentists, for example. Like dentists didn't have it last year. That's one of the new verticals that just got it. They rolled out like a whole bunch about a month or two ago. So I think what's appealing is how simple it is for business owners is to be able to wrap their heads around because you pay per lead. I think the pay-per-click model is complicated. People don't get it. To set up a Google Ads account, like it's not easy. It's not for somebody that's not good with technology. And you imagine like the average plumber not knowing how to navigate a Google Ads dashboard. So local service ads did help fix that. And then it also helped, I think, eliminate some of the issues that Google had for serving ads for like scammers. If you're having somebody come into your house, you want to make sure that they're reputable. So Google does these in-depth background checks on any business that's listed. Like in order to get listed, you have to pass this like intense screening. So I think just from a liability standpoint for Google, it makes sense because now they're vetting their advertisers a lot more heavily to make sure that consumers aren't going to get ripped off using Google to find their provider. Oh, I didn't know that, to be honest. And I was just wondering, do they also have these checks for the Google business profiles? Like, I know it's a bit of a basic two-factor authentication where they mail you a code and then you just put in that code. But do we get this in-depth audit with just the Google business profiles for businesses? Yeah, they so they do. And they're actually changing that as well. So that's something trend that we're seeing. It used to be like the majority of businesses would get verified by sending postcard. Well, unfortunately, that's too easy to get. Like, you can't believe the things people come up with around it. Like I've seen people, they'll send it to a forwarding address and then forward it somewhere else. It's crazy, right? People are usually like one step ahead of that. So they've been starting to really push video verification, which is a lot harder to fake. Like you have to actually do a video showing your location, like showing your truck if you're a home service business, showing like where your office is located. I'm sure people will find ways to cheat that system, but it's way harder. And we're also seeing a lot of businesses that are skirting rules before getting flat out denied. Like they're not getting these listings verified anymore because all the criteria. So Google is trying really hard to tighten up on it for sure. Interesting. Okay. With the local service ads now, they say no ads or keywords to manage. Like that coming from a place of 
almost 10 years of Google Ads experience or even SEO experience, I feel with that less sophistication amount to less effectiveness. Like, what do you feel about that in general? I hate it. I really do. I think that the quality of leads, I've heard this from a lot of businesses and a lot of verticals, is rough. Like, it's because you can't isolate certain things and like, oh, I don't want to show for that keyword or that keyword. Like, that ability was really helpful. So I think that Google trying to oversimplify things often really dings the quality, which is unfortunate. But yeah, that's one negative for sure. Yeah, my guess is in the midst of this AI race, we might get even more contextual targeting with what Google is offering. Because if you think about it, I've worked in industries where the gray lines are so thin. So for example, this is not a local business, but in the translation industry, right? We have businesses that are looking for other businesses that need to translate company assets, but there is also Google Translate. The lines between those is just a keyword. An extra word to that keyword might just take things out of control. Another one is GPS trackers, for example. I've had the opportunity to work in a GPS tracking industry. You put the tracker in your car, put the tracker in your kid's school bag. But there is also item tracking where you are tracking your UPS package. And so in order to get that sweet spot, you need to be very careful on how you use your campaign settings, how you use your keywords, even your SEO approach to make sure you are not targeting the wrong audience. Like I said, I am a very optimistic guy. <laughs> Hopefully they're able to figure out the context around this because just as you said, I completely agree. I think having no ads, like that's even the craziest part because what if I have a special on Tuesdays, for example, I run a pub or something like that. I have specials, one-time special on Tuesday. How do I communicate that where there is no ad content? Are you starting to see the issues around that? You're mentioning like there's a lot of negative. I think that like you said contextually, as much as I want to say Google, it does a good job. They don't always do a good job. Like I remember one small business that I years ago who was at a party. Guy, like you basically get like characters for your party and he'll come out and like you can have people dress up as various characters. So one of them was Mario, right? Like from the game. And he was bidding on the keyword Mario Party. And it makes sense because you're like, okay, a party, you need a Mario character. Well, there's a video game named Mario Party. He had no idea. And he spent $5,000 on this keyword that like literally didn't convert at all. And I don't know if Google's AI, we'd like to think it's good, but like I've seen so many examples where it's not good. And had not having that control, I think it's going to be something Google's going to have to figure out because unfortunately, a lot of small businesses are complaining about quality because they can't control it enough. Yeah, that makes sense. So when it comes to starting out with the Google local ads feature, they seem to be at the forefront of all this. Aside from what you already mentioned with regards to the verification requirements, so those who are very lackadaisical in terms of local business structure need to be very organized now. But aside from that, what are some of the other requirements that you've experienced on how to get set up on this platform? Yeah, so there's a reviews threshold. I believe you have to have five reviews on your listing to qualify. Reviews, unfortunately, are the driver for who gets the most traffic. Like you want to compete in local service ads, you have to have the most reviews. And it's a problem because the levels people are stooping to now to get the most reviews is borderline, sub-borderline. It is unethical, like some of the things people are doing. But that's unfortunately because, again, there's not a lot of like complicated bidding mechanisms. It's simple. 
But one of the biggest factors is the number of reviews that you have. Well, you're right about that. People rent reviewers, ask your family members to review, ask your staff members to review. It's very messy. And I hope it gets even behind the scenes. It gets more complicated and sophisticated so that people can really get true value. And this happens organically, basically. If you're listening now, this podcast is not sponsored by Google. I just wanted to get out of the way. But if you're enjoying what you're hearing so far, which I am sincerely, please make sure to subscribe to the Marketing Leadership Podcast on Apple and Spotify. Just search Marketing Leadership by Dots Loves Marketing so that you can get great content like this. We are discussing a topic that is premium at its best. Not many people are talking about this, yet more people need this. I don't know if it's a shameless plug or not, but I thought to let us know that. Now back to our episode, Joy. How does local SEO help when it comes to developing a great foundation for the local ads? You know, we discussed how SEO should be the best investment. So maybe you want to break that down a little bit as a means to create a great foundation for local ads. Yeah. So like the more that you're working on your Google business profile, for example, you would automatically be prioritizing reviews. That's going to help your ad perform better. So that's one example. There's a lot to do with the strategies don't overlap. You're not going to do better in ads because you write better organically. Like there's no connection there. But obviously, the more times you can appear on the page, the better. You're there in the ads, you're there in the local pack results, you're there organically. Like that's the trifecta that you should probably go for. Makes sense. When it comes to the sales aspect of things and leads management, how do we typically manage leads on those platforms and maybe set an expectation? Okay, I think with regards to expectation for lead flow, we've already spoken a bit about that. But in terms of managing the leads themselves, how, from your experience, how do you typically work with businesses that, you know, either run ads or do SEO? How do you manage that lead flow? I can give you an example in my case, again, back to the hardwood floor company. Not if it's like not very sophisticated, but we needed to measure ROI. And I basically asked if the guy can give me an Excel sheet where they upload sales figures each month. And then we can somehow tie that to the performance of the ads to see, okay, if the ads are low, then sales are low. If ads are high and sales are low, that's about the conversion rate and there's probably something to do about that. That's one instance. But you having so much experience in this, how have you worked with people who are willing to see the bottom line lead to sale flow with your marketing? You should be able to tie it back to the actual keyword. Like, Again, not with local service ads, but like if you're running a regular Google Ads account, you should be able to track it. Doing this through having a form on your website that's hooked up to Google Analytics, you can see what keyword was driving that contact form submission. And then if you want to tie it to a sale, you really have to have a CRM that integrates with Google Ads, which not all of them do. Call tracking is good too. So call tracking is one other thing. You can record calls. And again, it'll tell you exactly what keyword the call came from. You can use that, have somebody regularly monitoring the calls and like just seeing if they were good quality and like looking for patterns. Because sometimes like you'll get a lot of calls from an ad, but it doesn't mean the calls are good. The more you can listen and see what's going on that, and even like some of the call tracking platforms have like you can label like, oh, this was a lead. This was an existing customer. This was a telemarketer. And that'll give you even more insight into like what's actually driving the actual customers. Yeah, that makes sense. When it comes to competition, how 
to local businesses approach competition by using either local SEO or in this case, local ads. How do you think they approach that? I would like to see an instance where maybe a business owner is exhibiting stay fear, for example, or on the flip side, absolute dominance. From your experience, how do you see that ecosystem work? There's a bunch of different ways people approach it, I guess. If the competition's low, it's good for you. <laughs> With Google Ads especially, if you're like one of the first people to get in, like when local service ads first dropped for lawyers, if you were one of the first lawyer to get in, your lead volume would be insane. But then you will naturally see that it'll start to drop the more people are signing for it. So it's the unfortunate thing. Like the more people adopt a specific type of marketing, the less effective it is, which is unfortunate. But I know like sometimes when it comes to competition, people will do things like bidding on competitors' names. I don't normally advise doing that. Quality of leads is usually very poor, like really bad. So that's one strategy that I am not seeing work effectively at all. Yeah, makes sense. Could it be possible that the way out is as you get in, first mover, you're also supporting that with great value proposition. You keep maintaining the right product market fit by making what you know scholars call the job to be done, which is called like customer needs. Do you think including that into marketing might also help with competitive advantage? Maybe. I think like it depends on what type of advertising you're talking about. Like local service ads, the biggest thing that'll cause your account to tank or like not work well is actually your response rate. So if you're not responsive, if you don't answer phone calls, they'll stop showing your ads. So it's more like how you're dealing with the lead that Google can track. They can't track everything, right? They don't actually know what happens to the phone call. But if you're not responding to the phone call, they'll stop showing your ads. If you dispute too many calls, like you can actually rebuttal when you get charged for a lead and say, this wasn't a lead. I don't want to pay for this. And if you dispute too much, that can also negatively impact your ad performance. Yeah, makes sense. You've shared so many best practices so far. And I'm wondering, do you have any other best practices in general in running a profitable local ads campaign? Being an early adopter is helpful. So if it's not in your industry yet, being one of the first people to sign up will be good. But just know, like, over time, I think it's become more and more challenging because it only shows free and there's not a lot of space and there's not a whole lot you can do bidding really like the same way that it is with traditional ads. So I think early adopters big. Casting a wide net is also sometimes helpful. Like if you target a larger area, you'll get more leads, essentially. And I wouldn't necessarily can your other ads. Like if you're doing regular Google ads, Keep a close eye on them. Often there are keywords that don't trigger the type of ad you still need to run like your traditional ads as well. Yeah, it makes sense. For those who are loyal followers of this podcast, know that I love marketing intelligence and there must be an aspect of that in each episode. In the sense of local ads, what are your top three technical KPIs for local ads? Like we are aware of all the like, lead to closure rate and revenue and all that though. I'm talking about from within the local ads ecosystem itself. What are your three top KPIs? Traditional Google ads, which again could apply to a local business. I always say the conversion ones, right? Number of conversions, cost per conversion and conversion rate. Like those are really the only metrics that make matter at all. Problem is there isn't the metrics, local service ads. So in local service ads, it's pretty much you've got yeah, number of leads. Number of reviews, which is a really terrible KPI, but it is literally one of the ones that matters. And it would probably be response rate. Like your response rate, like your missed calls should be next to none. And they will tell you, Google will actually tell you in the dashboard how many calls you missed. 
you don't want to miss calls. Like those phone calls have to go answered. Otherwise, you take a huge hit. Do you know if local ads also have ad scheduling? Some people call it day parting. Yes. So that way the calls come. Okay. Yeah. You have to answer the phone. If you don't, they just stop showing your ads because they know that since they're charging per lead, they can only charge you if you answer the phone. So they don't want to waste money. So they're going to send those leads to somebody who answers their phone so they can bill for it. Plus, it's annoying to customers. Nobody wants to call a business that doesn't answer the phone. Yeah. I mean, this on our side, but every time I speak to a guest on this podcast, I always watch out for an unscripted similarity to what I'm thinking. And you just did that with your initial reply on Google Ads KPIs. Number of conversions, conversion rates, and cost per conversions. Those are also my personal top three KPIs. That's really awesome. I'm excited with you just saying that. I don't want to leave our listeners without some level of advice on the state of customer reviews in general. So I'm wondering, with the way customer reviews are these days, how can we manage reviews in such an ethical way that will still grow? What are some of your ideas around that, given everything we've said about reviews so far? Well, because the numbers matter so much, I think sometimes people are really selective on who they ask, right? So I've had a couple of businesses where they're only asking like their top customers, people they know are going to write a positive review. And I would challenge that line of thinking because you're just not going to be able to compete volume-wise if you're not asking everybody. So ask as many people as you can that have a customer experience. And like I've even had some lawyers and realtors, for example, ask people reviews that they didn't even really end up hiring, but they were leads that called in and they couldn't help them or whatever, just ask them for a review, um, which is fine. So I think that's important. And then the other big one that I don't think people have really like figured out yet how much of an impact this makes is asking for photos with your reviews. So when you leave a review for a business and you add photos, that review will stick up at the top for like a very long time. So like the business could get in new reviews and Google will still highlight the one with the photo. So this can either be a really good thing or a really bad thing if it's a negative review. And I've seen so many cases where they have these like bad reviews sticking at the top because the only one with photos is a bad review. It's one of those things you can control as a business owner. If you're asking people for photos in their reviews, then you're more likely to get them. Yeah, that makes sense. I personally think if I see a company that has like a stainless five-star review, maybe a number of reviews, I tend to find it a bit skeptical compared to a 4.5 or a 4 review with lots of reviews because we know that humanity is full of ups and downs, highs and lows, positives and negatives. Would that be, for example, speaking to consumers now that love social proof, would that be something you agree with in terms of how people should look at reviews? I'm just trying to get a sense of what are some of the simple things to look out for when you are seeing a real organic review of a company that isn't perfect, but is always improving versus a seemingly stainless review business. Yeah, I agree. Like statistics actually show that like having a perfect rating is actually not the best for conversions. Having a 4.5, 4.7 is actually better than a 5.0. There is actual data and backup with people are skeptical if everything looks too perfect. And I think the recency of reviews is another thing that people forget. Like they might, you know, oh, I've got a hundred reviews. I'm good. So they stop asking for them. And that's a ranking factor. So if you want to continue to rank well on Google, you have to continually get your reviews. Yeah. Makes sense. 
I would like to talk about some of the enterprise level companies that operate at a local level, franchises and whatnot. You had mentioned in the past that managing social media should be best done internally. Do you think managing Google business profiles in general is also something that should be done internally or maybe outsourced? Part of it. I think things like, for example, keeping your hours up to date. Yeah, like you need to do that in-house. Like your SEO company isn't going to know what hours you're open unless you tell them. So I think there's some things like that could be done in-house or like getting photos. When it comes to like the strategy behind it, like how to set up the listings so that they're ranking better, that's definitely something you could have an SEO company do. It's a mixture. I think review responses are something that are also best done in-house because you're going to be able to respond to the customer a lot more personally if, if you know the customer than like a third-party agency. Yeah, that makes sense. And thanks for providing that balance. I think having that is also very important to a well-optimized local listing from an SEO perspective. And now you can leverage that using ads. So I thought I should get clarification on that, which is very interesting. Joy, thank you so much for your premium wisdom right there, right now. I have learned a lot personally, and I believe if anyone is watching or listening here, has also learned a lot on how to take local marketing going forward. Of course, special emphasis on local ads. So where can marketers find you, Joy, if they need help running local marketing campaigns? I answer my company's website is sterlingsky.ca, Maltum, Canada. We're in Canada, the U.S. You can get, find me on Twitter. I'm very active on Twitter, Joanne Hawkins. We also run LocalU, so LocalU.org, which is we do events for local SEO, local marketing. Our next one is going to be in the Toronto area in October 13th. Guys, make sure to connect with Joy. And also, if you are in town, attend that event coming up. That's all for today, guys. Thank you for listening. See more episodes on dotslovesmarketing.com. Make sure to subscribe to the Marketing Leadership Podcast on Apple and Spotify. Till next episode, connect the dots. Thank you for listening to the Marketing Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. There will be links to any resources mentioned in today's show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a five-star review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This episode is brought to you by Dots Loves Marketing. If you're a business needing content promotion, podcast campaign production, or are looking to build effective B2B marketing strategies, Dots is here to offer you ultimate marketing leadership and expertise. Find out more at www.dotslovesmarketing.com.